morning. First of all, I really didn't volunteer for this. I got volunteered, so you can go understand, understand that. Uh, Mission Serve is, they're great. They let us come as an adult team. It's, it's a little bit different than like the youth ago. They'll all be put in one big pot and burst out. So you might not necessarily be with your church group as your work group. Uh, but Mission Serve lets us come as a senior team and stay together. Um, we learned back from the West Virginia trip that you got to call and explain our definition of seniors because they thought we were senior highs and college kids. <laughs> so I called uh, a couple weeks ahead of time, talked to the uh, construction coordinator and said, you know, I'm Wendell Shiloh, uh, just calling to uh, find out what our you know what our project's going to be and explain to you we're seniors. He, oh yeah, I've heard all about y'all. He said, I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. He said, uh, what I got for y'all this time is a roof. And I said, well, um, that's fine. But I said, the, the team's going to be a little short this year. It's just me and four other, three other ladies. So they, uh, he said, well, I really need y'all to do this this roof because I know you got roofing experience. And he said, we have a short, he said, we only have 150 people signed up. Normally you got 300. He said, we got about a half a camp. And he says, I've got nobody that has roofing experience except y'all. And I, he said, if y'all would do that, I'll get you a group of high schoolers to go with you. And I said, but that'll be fine because carrying the 75 pound bundles of shingles up the ladder is my, you know, is our biggest concern. He said, well, I'll get you some youth to do that. So, uh, that's what he did, um, and I want to tell you about the, the ladies here. They spent the week on the roof, not just on the ground. You'd be so proud of them. Uh, we don't tell them how valuable they are often enough. Whenever we got our uh, project done pretty much on Thursday evening, we had to go back Friday morning for about an hour and put the ridge cap, part of the ridge cap on. And the construction coordinator asked, would you go to this other job site when you get done? They've struggled all week and they haven't got a shingle on the front of the house yet. They were still working on the back. So sure. So when we get there, the, when you get to that site, that construction captain there in charge. So we get there and I said, well, what do you need? He said, I need six of your best nailers up here on the roof. The rest of them can go around back and start carrying debris back around to the uh, dumpster. So as I go up on the roof, everybody's saying, don't step up at the top at the ridge, don't step up top, you'll fall in. And so the um, construction captain meets me up there and he says, we got a mess. He said, uh, and I've never seen this on a roof, the one by six uh, sheeting run vertical, not horizontal, I've never seen that in my life. And the, they had had them to cut off, you cut two inches out to put the ridge in. When he cut the boards off, they're all just hanging. And I'm like, so you got a two foot gap of just boards hanging. And I said, what are you gonna do? He said, well, the, he said, we don't know what to do. He said, the uh, construction supervisor, our supervisor said, nail it to it the best you can. I mean, how do you nail it to a board? That's, you can't do it. So we come up with a plan. They had some sheeting, but they didn't have 
and he blocking to go underneath it. I said, you got any two before? He said, no, he's got one. So I said, well, we need to put boards in here, take that sheet and rip it back to two foot and just fill it in. So we come up with a plan called the uh, uh, runner and have us bring some two befores. But what I'm getting at, so I called down to the girls on the ground and said, I need a speed square, skill saw, quarter inch impact with a T25 bit in it and a chalk line to call back up. What is the quarter inch impact? And I said, it looks like a drill except it's stubbier, get in a tighter place. Now all our tools is in like six tool bags in the trailer and Friday there is no order in nothing. <laughs> and, they, and they said, uh, said the T25 torch bits about two inches long, got a little radius cut in the back of it to keep it locked in. Five minutes, here comes your tools up there. I want y'all to join me in showing their appreciation of what they can do. Now let me tell you about the trip down. Quite interesting, quite interesting. We leave here about eight o'clock and we've been to Savannah about three times. Um, about three fourths of the way down there, there's a Cracker Barrel right off the interstate. We usually stop there, hit it about 11.30. We pulled in there and it is standing room only on the porch inside. It's gonna be an hour wait. So we said, well, we'll go get the next restaurant that's open. So we drive and drive and now we're seeing the Savannah River Bridge rise over Savannah. We're all the way in Savannah, ain't found an open restaurant yet. So we'll get in Savannah, we'll find a restaurant, no problem. We go by like one place that's got a drive-through that we see people driving around. The next thing you know, we're all the way at the church. So we unload, get registered, come back out. So we're on a mission to find a restaurant because it's getting you know, on up in the day. So girls get their phones out, we're looking, said, well, three blocks down, two blocks over, and one block, there's an Italian place. So here we go. We get there, it's closed. So there's a little strip mall right below it. Oh, it says two restaurants there. So we go there and one of them's like a, a bar or a sports bar, maybe, you know, they had some tables out front and the other restaurants like, oh, nah, that ain't gonna happen. So we, here we go, and they're looking at their phones. We're going out. There's one down here on the left that's closed. One down here on the right. And that's the way it is all the way down the street. We pass this one as a, I'm gonna say it's a 50s diner, you know, with the glass all around it and the chrome, you know, shiny metal at the bottom. And I'm sure this was still from the, built in the 50s. And I ain't even think about stopping. And as we go by, somebody says, somebody's in there, somebody's in there, turn around, you know, so. I said, y'all see the sign? The name of the place was the Fork and Dagger. And they said, <laughs> and they said we're desperate, turn around. So we, so we turn around and go back up there and there's two people sitting in there. Julie, we said, be sure they open? Julie goes up, no, nah, they're just open for lunch and it's way past lunch. So we're back on the road and everything's closed. And so, Waterfront's right down here, that's not too far away, and we've been a couple of times to Waterfront, but it'll be on like Wednesday evening when you have half a day off. We got down there and everybody and their brother was down there. To, you couldn't even, the, the line of traffic going down into it, you know, it's kind of down, got the cobblestone streets and all that. You couldn't get there. So we decided, well, we'll park up here and walk down. No parking places. Come back up another block, and they said, "There's one. There's one." So we this parallel spot. 
we driving the van, remember? Evidently a Volkswagen pulled out of that spot because you couldn't have greased it and slid it in there. It was no way. So we're up another block, another block. We're within hiking distance now. So we give up and we're, they're still on their phones and they say, turn this way, turn that way. Guys, you know how it is when you're driving with a strange place and your wife's telling you which way to go? <laughs> Try it with three of them. I, I, you got my back, preacher, right? <laughs> no, they were great. They were, they were really great. We were struggling. And we come across the same road that the church is on. So we're like, okay, we know that place is open. So we go by the church, three blocks down, two blocks over, one block. And we go back to the side of well, the sports bar. You know, it had little tables out there with umbrellas. And you know that place, they must have spruced it up from an hour and a half ago, because it looked a whole lot better the second time. So we get out and eat, and it's kind of breezy. You know, we decide to sit out on our tables under umbrella, and the wind gets up, we got our drinks, and all of a sudden it really got up, started flipping the tables around, and dumped her, uh, Julie's tea over in her lap. But when we got our food, it was excellent. Either we was that hungry, but it was great. <laughs> so it's getting pretty late. We get to the church and we got like 35 minutes. And uh, I got to go to a construction meeting. But we're sitting there, had about five minutes, and we noticed this one, everybody's in the fellowship hall. This fellowship hall probably bigger as this or bigger. Everybody's in there, all the children, you know, and all the kids, all the adults, you know, just waiting. And we noticed this one young man, and you're sure he's a, a probably a senior in high school, just from the size and all. And he's constantly up, down, it, it's, and you just couldn't help but notice him, like he's got some, got to be the center of attention maybe. And he has this haircut, and it's not long hair, it's not purple unicorn spikes. It's just a different haircut that you just got to notice. And he had a lot of hair. Maybe I was jealous, I don't know, but he got a lot of hair. And uh, so I go to my meeting, I'm going about 15 minutes. You meet your supervisor, you get phone numbers, he gets yours to come back and sit down. And we got about 15 minutes before we got to be over at service. And uh, same guy, up and down, you know, like, well, he's got some issues, and I think one of the comments was, whoever has this one in his group is going to have their hands full. And one of the other comments was like, I sure hope he's not in our group. And I'm like, quit talking, or are we going to wind up with you? <laughs> so we go have the service, and uh, this same guy is sitting about five rows in front of us, and he's like talking, not loud, but to one side of him, and there's uh, his leader, you know, youth leader, whatever, goes up, talks to him a little bit, and comes back, he sits down, you can tell he's not happy about it, but he sits back with him. So whenever the service is over, they got, every team has a name, like ours was Echo. They're gonna be like, uh, every squad has a name, like Alpha, whatever, November. And they got the, uh, around the sanctuary at the windows, they got the signs like Echo, Alpha, whatever. And they dividing out, they start dividing out, pull out the, uh, they got it written down, but you know, it's like Jane Doe Alpha, John Doe September. Our first one was uh, Coop. And he come over and it's young, energetic, 
I mean, you know, just smiling ear to ear, and he was tickled to death. This is his first mission trip. Great little guy. But I'm sitting there, we're going to get high schoolers, you know, to carry these 74-pound bundles of shingles, and he's about this tall, and I'm like, I just can't, you know, I'm not seeing the, him going up the ladder with 75-pound bundle of shingle on me. But, you know, God has a, he has a sense of humor. I don't know if he knew that, but he, he does, trust me. Because uh, the next one they called out was the boy with the hair, and he stood up, <laughs> and they said echo, and we all looked at each other. I said, <laughs> 15 minutes. I can't leave y'all for 15 minutes with y'all getting us in trouble. <laughs> But, uh, and then we got uh, a fellow that was 6'3", he was built to carry shingles. We got two high school girls, and I think we had seven all together, right? And eight. Yeah, we ended up because we inherited Cooper's brother. But we got Alex, he was a little, Alex, he was a godsend. Um, he was a retired Marine uh, and a pastor, and he's, going to start a church in Florida. Has he, he may have done gone. I can't remember when he was scheduled to go. But he was God. So he had a personality like I'd love to have. I never, he just so outgoing. He was so great with the youth. He's just great. We get to, uh, to our site that day, and nobody's, nobody has roofing experience except us. Nobody's been on the roof. But never have I long think I've been with a group that we bonded so good so quick and I, I, I give that credit to Alex because when we had the first first time we took a break we got down and he said he's talking he called one of them he says tell me a story and they're like what do you mean tell me a story he says tell me a story give me this short story anything about you your life or whatever and everybody's hesitant so he said well, let me start so he tells a little story and then he gets somebody else and somebody else and then at once it's the same thing everybody's telling a little story so to the next day, you've got a little story prepared. But that was the greatest tool to bond this bunch, like this group, like nothing before. And you'd be so proud of those kids. They learned so much. When we went to the, to the other site on Friday, they, uh, they got up there and right off the bat, like, Hey, you got a double butt joint, and that's where you butt two shingles together. You can do it here on the next row. That butt joint's got to be offset by eight inches or more one way or the other. If you got them together, it's going to leak. We had about three of them the second day and had to go back and fix them, and they seen what it was, so they remembered that. We didn't, they, they caught that right off the bat. The one girl was working, her boyfriend was with that crew, and they were in line working together. And he let his end get down out of line. She said, you know, you got it out of line, you got it. He said, oh, it'd be right. She said, uh-uh. -oh. She ripped that thing off and got them nails out and made him straighten it back up. But you would have been so proud of those owners. But in this, and we're going to call the boy with the hair, we're going to call him James. We were so worried about James, but James gave us no problem. When we left the night at Sanctuary, whenever we were divided up in teams, Julie went and talked to his, uh, his leader and turned, come to find out he, was, he had been in foster homes 
pretty much all his life since four or five years old. And they were his foster parents. And he said, you know, if you have any issues out of them, sometimes you had to just give him a space and, you know, just let him have some space. So if you have any trouble, you can call us. Well, one time I seen him sitting down there under a tent by himself for about 30 minutes and then he was back up there working. All these youth worked so good. We were, there were no slackers, no slackers. They did great. So through this, Alex's deal, tell me a story, we learned a lot about each other. And we learned about James that he'd been in 35 foster homes and he's 16 years old. Can you imagine being in 35 foster homes in that length of time? His life's a revolving door, man. It's just, I, I've tried to think about it and I can't even put it in perspective. And what has he, what has he seen? What has he been through? Um, I know we were talking about something there at lunch one day to flavor or something, and he said, I, he said, I can't hardly taste it. He said, no, but half of my taste buds work. And I said, well, what happened? He said his father, when he was four years old, took the iron to his tongue to discipline him. Now, he didn't get involved in everything he'd been through. That's just a couple things. So just imagine that. But see, I told you God had a sense of humor, but he's got a plan. See, James needed us. He needed Echo. He, needed, he had a need to be needed. He had a need to be wanted. He's never had that. He had a need to be loved. But more importantly, we needed James to yank us back to reality to make us realize just how blessed we are. Most of us was raised with two loving parents. And we got a loving home to go to, a loving family. But we needed him just as much as he needed us. Um, you know, uh, God made love in such a special way. Think about it. Nobody can force you to love them. The strongest man in the world, a million man army, can't force you to love them. It can only be freely given. That's the way God designed it. It's, it's his plan. And being we're made in him in his image, I know he didn't have any needs, but I think it's his desire. I know it's his desire that we love him. This is he loves us. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that our heart is like a mirror. The more we turn it to the Lord, the more we reflect the Lord out into the world. And I think I've told you the way it came to me before is he's pouring his grace upon us all the time, and it's our heart. When we learn to open our heart, it's going to fill up and run over and run out in the world. And that's what we do on our mission trip. But, you know, the Lord's speaking to you. We ought to be on a mission trip every day. You don't have to go to Savannah and get on the roof. The Lord speaks to us. It might be the small, still voice. It might be in a song. It might be in a scripture that you read a, read a hundred times and the hundred and first time you got it as a light bulb went off. We need to, what we need to do is to learn to listen to the Lord. And it's through our heart that he speaks to us. How do you think he speaks to the deaf man? It's to his heart. And when we learn to open our heart to him, we can hear his voice. It might, and like I said, you don't need to go to Atlanta again on the, on the roof or Savannah. You can do it every day. It might be when you get an urge 
to call somebody that's shut in or somebody that's got a need or write them a letter or I need to fix them, I need to bake them a pie, you know, whatever. That can be the Holy Spirit nudging you on. It's not, when you go on a mission trip, it's not, yes, you're letting the love flow out, love of the Lord, but you also receive. This year, when we were on the, we were uh, out, um, James and I were on the, putting a ridge cap on the back of the roof. We had a, we had a roof that was a hip roof and it had a lot of ridges on it. On Thursday, they were finishing, they were working on the front. Alex and I was working on the back, putting the ridge on. And I was holding, he was nailing down and he says, you know, he said, uh, this week I'm gonna be adopted. I said, well, that's great. They're gonna adopt me and my sister. That was his foster parents. He's a, he was the youth minister. He was actually the speaker, you know, at our, for every night. They're gonna adopt me. And I thought, well, that's, and I told him, I said, that's wonderful. That is just great. And he went kind of silent for a little bit. And he said, uh, he looked up at me and he says, they want me. I'm 16 years old and they still want me. They want me. And it's like, man. We can, if we learn to listen, we can get a message. The Lord can speak to us in so many different ways. This year, that message come through a 16-year-old professed atheist that spoke to us. Now I see James's future so much better, so much brighter than it has been in the last 16 years because there's a lot of seeds of faith planted by Alex and all of us and with his newly adopted parents, I see a bright future for him. The message I receive is this, he wants me. I'm 66 years old, the Lord still wants me. He wants me, and he wants you.